Welcome into the podcast that brings listeners directly to the intersection of sports and entertainment through the lens and incomparable style of Dick Buckus. Direct from the 312, join hosts Pete Hassan, Matt Amendola, and Matt Buckus as they dive into the worlds of football, pop culture, philanthropy, and more. This is Buckus Beyond the Line. Roses are red and violets are blue. If you've got any sense, you'll keep Butkus away from you. Welcome in. Welcome back to Buckus Beyond the Line. We have an intriguing guest today on Buckus Beyond the Line. Uh, thrilled to have a, a former college and pro linebacker. He played college football at Stanford. Spent some time with the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. More importantly, though, he was the 2011 high school winner of the Buckus Award. I think you're going to be even more impressed with what he has to add on what he's doing currently with the with the Big Ten and a little bit about his uh, his time in high school. Nor Davis will join Buckus Beyond the Line, but first, the huddle. Nine eighty nine on two on two on two ready. Hey. On two on two on two ready. Hey. Back here with my co-host Dola, Matt Amendola, and Butko, Matt Buckus. Guys, we're in that part of the season here in the NFL side of things. I mean, if you're a hockey fan, you got the playoffs going on. If you're a basketball fan, you got playoffs going on. But if you're a football guy, you know, it's a little, you know, but that time after the draft, you know, there's maybe OTAs or mandatory stuff going on in teams. If you're a diehard, you're probably following some of that with your favorite team. But you know, we love the football action, the game action, and we've been just talking about the USFL. And you know what? It's back. The intriguing world of the USFL. It's yeah, back, everybody, and, since and the eighties. You know, what uh, year was that they came out? Oh, man, the last time uh, that was late eighties. I go to look that up, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's bringing back memories, right? Like because what I love, they didn't change anything. <laughs> you have teams like Birmingham, the Stallions. They look like the Stallions, right. you know, like. I remember Joe Cribbs was a part of the Birmingham Stallions and the Houston Jim Gamblers. Kelly. Jim Kelly and the Absolutely. Houston Gamblers and Herschel Walker yep. and the New Jersey Generals. So for people my age, which is middle age. Now, um, is that the LA Express or is that I, a different league? I think it was. Steve yeah, but they're, yeah, and they're not in. I, I don't think they're in this version of it. Playing all their games in Birmingham. If you've caught some of it, the drone footage, the communication from the sideline, I think what they're doing and what they're trying to attempt to bring to audiences is crucial for the NFL to learn from because with technology, everybody wants a peek behind the curtain. And I think the USFL is giving them that with some rules changes. Yes. I mean, the USFL, it's back. And uh, one of the biggest, most intriguing parts of that football world is the rule changes. The point situation as far as having a three-point option that's going to put you know, coaches at a certain advantage that have you know, different techniques as far as clock management you know, and they're really trying to speed up the game and still create, you know, the, the physical atmosphere for the players. Just to get this straight, as far as scoring opportunities, there's three ways a point after a touchdown can go. Okay, so the first, one point for a kick made from the ball snapped at the 15-yard line. The second option, two points for a scrimmage play from the two-yard line that's successfully crossing the goal line. And three, three points for a scrimmage play from the 10-yard line successfully crossing the goal line. So three options, you can still be down by 18, <laughs> and it's a two-point, a two-possession game. Wait, so, so there's no kicks? You have to run a play? Um, No, you can kick or you can go for three, you know? Or two. Or two. I just pulled out my abacus and I'm still lost. Yeah, but, so uh, you can be down 18 <laughs> and in, in two snaps of the ball be back in the game. 
Good luck to yeah. the gamblers. Yeah. Oh, those gamblers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see your game. Yeah. It's been a while. They're doing some new stuff, too. I know there's NFTs tied in. You know, they're doing exclusive content and perks for members. And they're doing things that leagues, all, all the leagues, NHL, NBA, everybody has to start to do because the youth, the next generation are not consuming sports the way you and I did, Dola and, and Bucko, right. and probably a lot of our listeners. They're just not. And, you know, so every single league needs to take a look at how they're going to attract and engage fans. And I think the USFL is doing a wonderful job. And then, you no, know, next year we have the XFL to look forward back. to. That's, yeah, it's coming, coming back, back in February 2023. I know Russ Brandon, who used to be with the Buffalo Bills back in my neck of the woods, he is the uh, president. Infusion of money from Redbird Capital, which is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That should be exciting. But I know, Matt, I mean, the first iteration, you and your dad right. were involved in some of that. Yeah, I remember sitting at my job and my dad called and he's like, you want to be the defensive line coach? And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, Vince McMahon called me and asked me if I wanted to coach the Chicago team. So he, he's like, let's go. It was cool. That was cool. And I know that unlike the USFL, I think the XFL did strike a development deal. I think the USFL has some ties and the NFL is doing some things, but the XFL for sure, they announced an exclusive partnership with them and the Alumni Academy. And what they're trying to do is identify the next best players in football and offer opportunities for those guys. So this isn't, these aren't necessarily like you would think for the NHL or baseball where they have their minor leagues right. and the D League or the G League now for the NBA. They're not coming out saying that, guys, but it's pretty close, right? I think right. they're they're probably wading into the waters of making one or both of these leagues more like a, a minor league or development league, right? Yeah, like a farm system. You know, in Italy, we wanted to do those football camps, and we're talking to the guy at the at that about, camp. The, okay. So yeah. if you don't, or the XFL guys don't make it in the NFL, if you don't make it in the XFL, we want to talk to them oh, about sure, maybe sure. going over to Italy, yep. stay in shape. And yeah, because, I mean, you know, they had the European League at one point. I mean, yeah. there's, yep. you know, I think that, you know, the NFL is probably trying to the address. NFL Europe. Yep. yep. They're probably trying to address the global scale of it. But having a feeder system, I mean, uh, you know, you get enough at the college level. But if you're going to keep this thing going 365 and you're going to have these other leagues, you need more football players. Mm -hmm. But you also need to find ways to develop guys. And right. so uh, Where it's do you think you'd go? You know, they're having games in Mexico and London. Yep. You think they want to? Yeah, I mean, worldwide uh, one day. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think every sports league wants to hit, you know, China and India and the larger uh, population sites. It's the only way to go and, and grow. But it's great to see football in February and May, right? For those of us who are junkies for it. And we wish both leagues luck. We have to wait another year for the XFL, but, you know, they're putting out announcements every other day, it seems, about what they're doing. So interesting times in football, boys. We're going to come back with Nord Davis, and if you're not familiar with him, stay tuned because he's an impressive individual, and you're going to love hearing what he has to say. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients come to rely on them for full line of website services, from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Budkus Award and the Budkus Foundation websites. And we proudly recommend the team to AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today 
1-877-WEB-NOW-1. Welcome back into Buckus Beyond the Line. As we told you in the opening, this is a very intriguing guest for us. Um, a, a guy that maybe isn't a household name to a lot of football fans, but maybe not for what he accomplished on the field, which was plenty. But I think he's going to be a household name uh, as he moves forward in his career. Nor Davis joins us. Nor, um, we saw you out in uh, in Palm Springs for the Buckus Award. And, uh, you know, we touched base then. And like I said, such an intriguing career uh, in, in football and where you're heading now. Welcome in. Thanks for being here. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Yeah, thank you, Pete. It's great to see you. Great to see Dola. Absolutely. Great to see Butko. I'm going to go with all the names. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, great to see Mr. Buckus out in Palm Springs. It had been uh, nearly 10 years since I saw you guys, since I was able to win the award. And you guys came out and surprised me in Leesburg. You know, just the past 10 years since that award has been a crazy journey. It's been a beautiful blessing. Uh, you know, from going, you know, from Leesburg to Stanford, I was able to play five years there. Uh, we went 53 and 10 uh, during the during the five years I was there. Uh, won three Pac-12 championships, two Rose Bowls, were four and one in bowl games. Nice. I was able to get my bachelor's in political science, modified to be more of a pre-law. Got my master's in communication with an emphasis mm. in media studies and virtual reality. I uh, was able to meet all kinds of wonderful people, made the best friends with my teammates. They're my brothers for the rest of life academic advisor and and boss in college was Condoleezza Rice. So just so many beautiful uh, experiences, amazing people that I was able to get to know through the process. Sounds like my educational <laughs> background. <laughs> so it was, it was just, it was amazing, you know, kind of being in Silicon Valley. I always talked about Stanford, the reason why I chose Stanford, the thing that drove me to Stanford. I always talk about the four A's, the combination of academics, athletics, area and alumni. I mean, there's just so many opportunities in the area, the Mm -hmm. people that you get connected to from (laughs) billionaire tech entrepreneurs and, you know, startup creators to, you know, C-suite executives to politicians. We had, you know, Cory Booker would come to to practice. Uh, Tiger Woods was an honorary captain. I mean, the type of people that you get surrounded with uh, was just an incredible five years there. Got Got a chance to experience a lot of things from working in the athletics department and social and digital strategy uh, in the communication realm, like like I had touched upon working with Condoleezza Rice. So just so many amazing opportunities afterwards, having the opportunity to go and play uh, and chase my dream a little bit, playing with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and obviously we'll come back to that because that's that yeah. all comes full circle to why I am sure, sure. here where I am today. Um, after, you know, being let go uh, from the Vikings and, you know, kind of deciding uh, what the next steps were in the football world, I was able to get in the tech, working in uh, Silicon Valley at a, a startup called Rubric uh, in the cloud data management space, kind of climbed the sales and sales leadership track. Uh, I always told my mom, you know, football is uh, a big part of who I am, but it's not who I am. Yeah, right. And mm. so I always wanted to, I pride myself in, uh, you know, being, you know, so much more than just a football player. And so applying all the rules and things that I learned in the intangibles from football in the corporate world and was able to climb in the business world, got an opportunity to work with the Detroit Lions uh, shortly after that. So I worked in tech for about two years, worked a year with the Detroit Lions in the front office doing scouting uh, and player personnel and working under underneath the GM. And then uh, one fateful day, I got a phone call from the commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, uh, and he said he wanted me to come join him uh, with the Big Ten. And I've been here for almost two and a half years. And it's been amazing. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that obvious Minnesota connection if people don't know <laughs> about Kevin Warren. But um, first of all, Nor, 
could you could you have any more energy? <laughs> could you have any more I would like just sit drive? Back and listen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like good. that is incredible. I mean, you should be applauded for uh, everything that you've done because we've heard from players here about their transition and some guys that have struggled to figure out football is only a part of them. We've heard this same statement so many times. Mm-hmm. You know, football is part of me, but it's not all who mm-hmm. I am. Probably a lot of people don't know. You're a 2011 high school Buckus Award winner, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Winning that award back then, I understand like you already were getting probably a zillion one letters and recruiting, but what does that do for your confidence as a kid at that age going in and saying, you know, like, look, I've been recognized at this level for what I'm doing on the field, but what the Buckus Award stands for is more than just that, right? And it's always been like that. So you can tell just by your your bio that you, you know you really live by the credo what the Buckus Award's all about. No, that's a that's a great question. I think, you know, I'm, I'll actually tell a story that I've not many people have heard. So going into my my junior year of of high school, I had gotten my first scholarship offer from UCF, and that was the first school people always ask because I grew up in Gator Country. Mm-hmm. You know, where would you have gone? Why? How did you go to Stanford? Why didn't you you know go to Florida? Why didn't you go to Miami, Florida State, the big ones? Uh, honestly, if I would have stayed in state, I would have gone to UCF. I had all the other offers, but UCF was the first school and program that believed in me wow. before I believed in myself. Wow. And so, you know, I had an offer going into my junior year, but I, I didn't really believe that it was it was a real offer. You know, it, it just it seemed. You know, George O'Leary was the coach at UCF. He offered me. David Kelly was my recruiting coach, and I, I just part of me didn't real really believe that it was real. I didn't see it in writing. Sure. So as a, as yeah. a you know, as a 15 year old, I didn't believe it to be true. And so I went into my junior year, had a, a standout junior year. That's kind of what put me on the map. But it still didn't become real because I went to a very, for lack of a better word, political high school. Uh, and you guys can kind of get my drift of what I'm, what I'm saying by that. Uh, growing up in the South, uh, there's a lot of politics sure. involved. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, you know, I'm, I'm winning you know, all conference and all, all these honors prior to the all states, all Americans all, and all the rankings come out. And another linebacker on my team was given defensive player of the year for my high school team. And so my dad and I were kind of taken aback by it uh, wow. because I'm, you know, I'm starting to get recruited. I'm getting a lot of attention, sure. but somehow mm-hmm. the rankings come out a month after this kid on my team. The wins accolades the, go somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. The, the defensive player of the year for my own high school team gets this award. And then one month later, I have about 20-something scholarship offers because they all started to roll in once the, the 2011 class was signed. And so, you know, the rankings come out, and I'm the number one linebacker in the country, but I'm not the number one linebacker on my high school team. Wow. And so uh-huh. it was a very, very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. So the confidence level, you know, I started to get there once I saw, you know, the opportunities were going to be there, but I didn't really believe it until it became tangible. Mm-hmm. And so going into my senior year, confidence was high. Uh, and when I realized I was nominated for the Buckus Award, I remember my dad and I, uh, we would sit in the garage working out. We'd be out in the front yard, you know, going through my steps and techniques, run fits, you know, pass rush moves, all these these different drill work we would do. And I remember like in between workout sessions, I'd be like, Dad, could you imagine if I, I won the Buckus Award? Like, I, 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 it, this would be the dream. Like, could you imagine? And you know, as it started to go, you know, progress from being a nominee mm-hmm. to and on the watch list to being a semifinalist to being a finalist, it started to get closer and closer and it started to feel real and my confidence started to boom. Yeah. And uh, my dad, it's funny, you know, I know the story now, but you guys had had spoken with my parents uh, to let them know to work out the surprise on how I was going to 
to win it, but I knew the finalists had been announced. And so I was like, Dad, could you imagine? I remember being in the gym, working out, lifting. Dad, could you imagine if I win this award? And at, this time, at that time, he knew. He knew, he knew. He knew yeah, I yeah, won yeah. it. And yeah. so he was like, just you know, imagine awesome. that. <laughs> exactly. So he was like, keep praying. I just keep working hard. And, yep. and, and you know, you know, maybe the chips will fall the right way. Mm -hmm. and, uh, if you wash my car, maybe there's a chance you'll win. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? you never know. And so I remember, I remember, uh, you know, vividly one day, uh, I think, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was December 4th, 2011. And I remember putting on some sweats going to getting ready for school. And my dad just was like, don't wear sweats today. I don't, I, I remember thinking, okay. you know, why? So I just put on a t-shirt and some jeans, didn't really think anything of it. And then, you know, coming from my last yeah. period class, I walked in, we sat down, they started talking about the Buckus Award. And then boom, all of a sudden, doors swing open and Mr. Buckus hopped out of the closet. It's one of the coolest, <laughs> it's one of the coolest uh, surprises awesome. I've ever seen. And if you go back and look at that film, you know, I have some teammates in that video that were jaw dropped. I had yeah. a teammate who was digging in his nose when it happened. Uh, if you got to do a film breakdown, we got to do a film breakdown. It was one of the funniest clips, just the surprise. And I remember looking at my face and I had known what had happened. And so everybody else was shocked, but I was just smiling That's and to just tying it all back in. It was just, it was transcendent in my confidence, in my internal belief of things that you set out to do in your sure. life you can achieve. My mom always used to talk to me and, and still talks to me about the law of attraction and how you can manifest the things that mm -hmm. you want to achieve in your life by just talking about it, putting into the world and putting the work in and then letting, you know, God and the, the all the other the energy come back to you. And so, you know, this this award truly was a blessing. Reiterate that all the time. I it's, it sits underneath my TV on my in my living room. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's it's changed my life in so many positive ways. Well, we hear it a lot with the winners, but that is a really special story. And, you know, it should be an inspiration to a lot of people because, uh, you know, these types of things are hard work, right? You put in the effort, you're going to face challenges and adversity all the time, mm -hmm. whether it's in your, your current uh, situation or you move on into your career, there's always going to be something. And, um, you know, to have, to put in the work, be rewarded for it, but see that as just a mm -hmm. launching point and not the end. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really crucial. That's, Tell us a little bit about your years at Stanford, and it's such a an intriguing thing. You told us a little bit off the air about a lot of what goes into being a student there. We were joking about USC. Maybe there was a chance you were going to go there, but, I mean, it, the standards set both schools, really, but mm -hmm. Stanford, obviously, on an educational level, is set apart. I'm guessing your parents were really driving a lot of that. Yeah, no, that's a that's you hit the nail on the head. Dad molded me. Was he a coach? He was a player. So my okay, dad okay. played football at Purdue and San Diego State and then played with the Giants and the Patriots. And okay. so a lot of my – he was an outside linebacker as well. So a lot of my knowledge and, you know, obviously the genetics came mm -hmm. from dad. Um, and he molded me as a player, as a man, as a person. And obviously he was very strong on me, you know, in terms of the way I carried myself, the way I articulate, the way I present, but also obviously in the classroom. But the Stanford, we all we give all that to mom. Mom was <laughs> – on my butt when it came to you know what I did in the classroom what I did you know out of the classroom as a person and so it's so funny because I committed early to Stanford I committed in May of my junior year and I committed sight unseen I had known that Stanford was a place that I had considered even before I was starting to get recruited it was my sophomore year I was watching them play in the Orange Bowl I was like man I would love to play for that team they were balling against uh, Tyrod Taylor and Virginia Tech yeah, sure. and so I remember watching that and like, could I, if I had the opportunity that's a place I would play and then my mom 
you know, even before the the process was like, I, I would love for you to go to Stanford. And then as the process started to progress, I started to get Stanford was like my 17th scholarship offer. So wow. I'd already had quite a few. And so all these other options started to become very, very appealing and intriguing. And at the time when I committed, I had I was up to 33 and it was all of them, you know, growing yeah. up in the South. It's all the the, the SEC. SEC powerhouses mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, out West ACC. And it was funny. My mom said, you know, you can play for Nick Saban. You can play for whoever unless Stanford comes knocking on that door. He said, if, she said, if Stanford comes knocking on that door, I'm going to tell that coach to go get a few hats and you're going to Stanford. Right. And she, she basically told me ultimately it was between Stanford or Harvard, yeah. my, my pick. Right. And I said, I'm going to choose the one that one, the competition is a little bit better. I get to, yeah. you guys get to watch me on TV yeah. and two, the one that you guys don't have to pay for because you know, the Ivy right. leagues is that. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I said, I'm going to play for the one that you guys don't have to pay a penny for. And obviously, you know, I've had, it was an amazing, mm-hmm. amazing run, you know, playing there. I got to play with and against some incredible players in the Pac-12. Uh, some of my teammates are pro bowlers, all pros, future Hall of Famers, and getting to you know interact with some of the guys that would come back, the Andrew Lux, the Doug Baldwins, the Richard sure. Sermons, guys who have became you know big brothers through the process that I never got to play with. But you know the other guys who are currently balling in the NFL uh, and doing so many amazing things you know off the field is where I'm very very proud of my my guys because. You know, that's one of the reasons what, what drew me to Stanford was, you know, seeing who they were outside of the locker mm-hmm. room during the recruiting process. I went once uh, in the summer going into my senior year and then once when they played Washington for homecoming in 2011. It was Harbaugh? It was Shaw. Shaw. So I was okay. Shaw's yeah. first recruit, first full recruiting class uh, because he had just become the head coach my senior year. And so the, the class prior to me, they signed to Harbaugh and Harbaugh left maybe a month after. Yeah, okay. And then Coach Shaw became head coach. And then he, you know, we were part of his first recruiting class. Uh, we had a lot of very top prospects and they were really, really hard on us because we were dubbed the best recruiting class Stanford ever had. Wow. And I think we lived up to our bill. We have a lot of guys who are oh, still yeah. playing in the NFL. Oh, yeah. We won a lot of championships, a lot of games, a lot of games. Lot of games. And so Rose Bowls. Uh, we played in a lot of Rose Bowls. Three of our sure. five years, we, we were in Rose Bowls. So oh, you're like 52 and 10? 53 and 53 10, and yeah. 10. Three, and from freshman year to senior year, uh, you know, I came back for my fifth year because I redshirted as a freshman. You know, we played in the my freshman, sophomore, and senior year. We I've never in the played Rose in the Bowls. Rose Bowl. I've always wanted to. How was that? It was incredible. I mean, just the things that the Rose Bowl does uh, in terms of the things for the student athletes, the things for the coaches, the experience that they build in sure. behind the scenes is incredible. And then you walk out you know, on the field in front of 94,000 people <laughs> with this, <laughs> I mean, with this, great, it's beautiful it? with the, mean, the, the mountain. It's like a scenic view. It's almost, you know, movie, grass. movie like. And so uh, we had a very, you know, uh, a great competitive game my first year against Wisconsin. We won that lost to Michigan State my sophomore mm-hmm. year on a, a fourth down stop, you know, a very legendary play. It's a yep. tough, tough loss in, in our eyes, obviously. And then uh, my senior year, we we beat Iowa in a pretty uh, convincing fashion, and that one was the most fun because sure. sending your seniors, sending your yep. fifth years out when we were up thirty-five nothing at halftime. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that was that was fun, and so we that was probably the, the, a, the, the McCaffrey best was that, that McCaffrey, was McCaffrey King? Or he, he went off Rose Bowl yeah. records. Oh, I mean, God. I was even on. I'm a defensive player, and I was on the punt return that he ran back for a touchdown. <laughs> wow. So you know, you get to be a part of touchdowns. Sure. And, I mean, it was it was a it was a very fun. That was a very fun fun. Uh, you know, I mean, betting is. Fairly, uh, you know, ubiquitous now. I, I, I was betting on Stanford in that game. I was very happy at halftime. Yeah, you should be. I was very happy at halftime of that game. But I know you mentioned sports technology. You know, studying at, at Stanford. Where's your headspace right now involving 
name, image, and likeness as far as NIL. Are there rules? I mean, you work with the Big Ten. Yeah. What as far as rule book and how that is there any guiding, you know, not statistics, but guiding set of rules as far as rule books go? Yeah, no, I mean it's a great question. For me, uh being a former student athlete, you know, I would have loved obviously NIL sure. to be a thing when sure. I was a, a player. Even if it was like fifty dollars, right? You could that's that, that's that's a, four Chipotle burritos, right? Yeah, we yeah. You know, we could have used practice, that's great. <laughs> exactly. We could have used that extra money, uh, you know, on top of the stipends and all those other things. But just the little things, you know, I think people kind of sometimes look at student athletes and think, you know, oh, everything's taken care of, but they don't really realize as a part of the process, right? A part of the sacrifice is one, you're putting your body on the line, you're putting your time on the line. And so with that, you don't have the opportunity to pursue the, the types of internships that normal students or sometimes Olympic Programs, sport athletes yeah. exactly can do in the off seasons in the summer times. And so you're more restrictive. You can't study abroad like other student athletes or most students. And so there's certain restrictions and elements to that part of the experience that, you know, you really can't fully dive into your student sure. experience. And so, mm -hmm. you know, with NIL, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. I'm a firm believer in this is something that should have been done. You know, a perfect example, you kind of touched on Christian. I mean, Christian, his face is all over billboards. You know, the, the year, this his last year was the year after he was the runner-up in the in the Heisman. Heisman yeah. And I'm, if you ask me, and I'm, Derrick Henry's an amazing player, but I still think Christian McCaffrey should have won the Heisman that year. I think the only thing that differentiated each other them was the amount of touchdowns, but the yards, the all-purpose yards. He broke so many records mm -hmm. that year. I still will stand on the table and think Christian, you know, this is from a biased and unbiased perspective because he's a phenomenal human being. But... You know, his face was everywhere, yeah. mm -hmm. all over billboards, all over, you know, restaurants and TVs, commercials. And he didn't get one penny for that, you know, and yeah. I can only imagine how many millions he probably generated in revenue just by his face being out there. And so you think about those things, you know, that's in 2016 as opposed to now. Right. The student athletes now that are those type of faces are being compensated for the name, image, and likeness. And so I think that's a wonderful thing. It's it's progress, not perfection, right? Yeah. And so from a you know, from a conference perspective, you know, it's it's tough. There there is no legislature from the, the NCAA from nationally uh, to regulate how it's held. And so from us, it kind of insulates us as a conference. It insulates other conferences in a positive way because we are not hands-on in that process. So it's up to institutional discretion. We have 14 of the best uh, universities in the country, in the world, uh, and they regulate those accordingly. So sometimes, and that's, I know what we're talking yeah. about, you know, off air, a lot of those things have fluctuated and are continuing to fluctuate through all the programs because there is no regulation. I talk to some of my counterparts at, you know, institutions of you know, some of the things that are going on. But the one thing that I will say about NIL, which I am very excited about, truthfully, is how impactful NIL has been for Olympic sports athletes mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. especially our women. Women. Wow. Um, the women have really, uh, really take, yeah. you know, you, you the, I think the initial thought was, okay, there was going to be a stark disparity between, you know, football, basketball and the rest of the sports. And we've seen, you know, women in, in field hockey and uh, golf. there's Basketball. golf and, golf. you know, yeah. lacrosse, gymnastics. Lacrosse, yeah. gymnastics. They've really, really created wonderful opportunities for these women to have exposure. Yeah. And I think that's for that's me. Point is something that's very, very exciting because we're starting to see these women create platforms and, and elevate to different heights. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what a beautiful part of NIL has been. We put a little bit of the cart before the horse. So I want to just back up a second in mm -hmm. that, you know, you playing in the NFL, you touched on going to Silicon Valley and rubric. Mm -hmm. 
but you landed here in uh, beautiful Chicago area at the head offices of the Big Ten. First fellow, is that? It ex- first of all, explain a little bit about yeah. what this fellow position is and then a little bit how you got to the Big Ten and why this is your track now. Yeah, so when I was with the Vikings, I was so critically focused on doing everything in my power to make the team. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that I could do to just you know, treat people well in the hallways, be quiet, and just go about my, as an undrafted rookie, you know, I just wanted to, to earn the respect of my teammates, of the vets. That's all I really cared sure. about. That, that will come from the coaches, but as long as I establish a respect and rapport with my peers, that's all that matters. And so what I really did is I, I just put my head down and grinded. I didn't say much. I just hit and worked and studied and just put everything that I could into the experience. And through that, I've had two conversations with a guy who happened to be the chief operating officer at the time of the name of Kevin Warren. And so I had maybe two conversations with him while just in passing in the hallway, in the locker room, um, just kind of introduced myself, got a chance to get to know him very briefly, and then just went about my work. Didn't think anything of it until, like I said, there's angels that come into your life. Mm-hmm. Mr. Buckus is one of those angels, right? And there's very few angels that come into your life that change and bless you in ways beyond belief. You know, you don't see it in the moment, but what those relationships and what those things can do and set you up for in the future are, are beautiful. And so one day, you know, this is I'm on the team in 2017 and 2019, you know, almost two and a half years later, I was literally getting up from my desk, walking to the bathroom. And all of a sudden my phone rang and it was Kevin Warren. I said, what is, what is Kevin calling <laughs> what me is about? Kevin? And uh, I stepped out. Did I leave it. something at the Vikings? I said, what, what is, is going it on? I... I haven't talked to him in a while. <laughs> and so he, he just said, hey, I just was named commissioner of the Big Ten and I want you to come join me. And uh, it was one of those, just as fate might have it, blessings. He said, I'll give you a week to think about it. I said, I said, Kevin, I don't need a week. <laughs> yeah. At that time, it was, it was Mr. Warren. Now, yeah. now I've got yeah, a chance yeah. to get to know Warren, Kevin. I, I said, yeah. Mr. Warren, I don't need a week. It's done. And so... It was just a wonderful opportunity and basically what it has become, I'm the first fellow in the history of the conference, 126 years of the conference. And it's basically, he created this platform and we're going to have iterations after me uh, as I move into another role with the conference as well. But basically he wanted to create opportunities for people of marginalized communities Mm -hmm. to have access Mm -hmm. and exposure into college athletics and from the top down, not necessarily an intern, but working with the head guy with the CEO, the commissioner. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm working with the executives and assisting him in all strategic projects. And I work in a multitude of other operations. So football administration, events and operations. I manage uh, some Olympic sports uh, for the conference, diversity, equity and inclusion, and a litany of other departments and other workflows. But primary role that I have is working uh, in the commissioner's office uh, and assisting him in any any and all strategic wow. opportunities. Opportunity. And yeah. so it's an amazing thing. And, and the next iterations after me, he wants to create opportunities for other people of marginalized communities, whether that's people of color, whether that's women, mm-hmm. whether that's those groups that you don't really see in college athletics as much. And it's been an amazing almost two and a half years of a journey. I'm, I'm fortunate to work with a man who has an MBA and a law degree. I'd always dreamed of part of the thing with my mom of Ever since I was in high school, since I was 13 years old, I always wanted to go to law school. And, you know, fortunately, I had a, a boss. I have a boss who is a lawyer and he understands it and he has never, you know, not allowed me to chase my dreams. And so I'm in, I am in at Loyola Chicago uh, Law School, you know, doing that part time in a weekend JD program while I work and um, just constantly trying to evolve and improve. I live by a tagline, of two taglines. One is one percent better every day. If I can be one percent better today than I was yesterday, I'm doing something right. And then the other is instead of proving other people wrong, 
I live by PYR, which is prove yourself right. Oh, nice. love that. Absolutely. And I need your time management schedule. Whatever, whatever you're using, you're up, putting a lot of I, stuff in his mouth. I, 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 I need whatever Nor's time management schedule is because <laughs> I'm tired just listening to what you're scratching. I'm trying to figure out how I, I would do all that, but that's just so impressive. That's juggling um, a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, what do you see as the next big challenge? Maybe some of you, you're working on some special projects. You know, the Big Ten is just so prestigious. The institutions there that are almost synonymous with college sports, specifically college football with, you know, everybody knows in our audience, Michigan and Indiana and Northwestern and Michigan State, but are there outside of nil? Well, 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 of course, (laughs) Illinois, yeah. Uh, Outside of nil, I mean, where where is the conference heading? I mean, is there, are there some key things that you guys are working on that you can clue us in on? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm very fortunate. You know, I've had a lot of leaders in my life. I've been around a lot of coaches and you know high you know profile people thankfully but in terms of leadership other than my father commissioner warren is probably the best leader i've ever been around because he leads in the way that my dad you know was and in the same way that i've always envisioned as a leader in servant leadership and putting people first and putting experiences first and so you know one of the things that he did when we first came in together in 2020 he established a mental health cabinet to fo- put a primary focus on you know, the mental health of our student athletes, providing them resources. We gave the Calm app to all student athletes, all administrators and coaches, the Huge. all 14 schools. Yep. Um, we it have- goes, That often goes totally un, 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 unnoticed. Yeah. Uh, people are unaware of the stresses Absolutely. and how to manage that. And you would know, <laughs> hearing your schedule both in college <laughs> and now, you would know the stresses. Absolutely. And then, you know, on top of that, we, we launched uh, voter registration initiatives to get student athletes registered to vote and, and you know, use- operate with their civic duties. Uh, we created so many other components where, you know, getting the fi- financial literacy and just doing so many different things for the student athletes. And one of the big things that we did stemming from the murder of George Floyd, uh, we created the initial time, it was called the Anti-Hate and Anti-Racism Coalition, which was comprised of our conference, some conference members, and then student athletes and coaches, administrators from all 14 schools. So we can basically come together and discuss, you know, the difficult things and things that we want to stand up and stand up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that turned, we wanted to change it to, instead of what we're against, what are we about? Mm-hmm. And we changed and modified the name to the Equality Coalition. Uh, and we created this campaign called the United as One. And so the focus of that is to basically promote equality, you know, racial, gender, you know, LGBTQ+, you know, socioeconomic status, wh- whatever the differentiators that create divisiveness within our people, religion, you know, we want to bring everybody together and, sure. and make it all, you know, it's not about our differences, it's about what, what unites us. And so as a part of that Equality Coalition, one of the biggest things that we're so excited about is uh, in July, we're actually doing a, a trip to Selma, uh, where wow. we are going to recreate the walk, the Bloody Sunday wow. walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Yeah. We're taking student athletes, coaches, administrators. And where it's very exciting is it basically transcended not just from our conference, but as a part of and this is another iteration to your question of what big things are coming about. We formed the alliance with the ACC and wow. the Pac-12. Wow. And so Powerful. we're going to have student athletes and coaches, administrators from the ACC and the Pac-12 joining us on this trip where it will just be a field trip, for lack of a better words, right. but an immersive experience into what happened, you know, 60 plus years ago and the uh, significance of it. Exactly. Yeah. And allowing, you know, student athletes to have experiences that they might not ever have in life. And uh, I think that's why I'm very uh, excited, you know, working for a visionary leader like Commissioner Warren is he allows, you know, myself, other people 
who have been close to those student athletes experiences, you know, I'm only five years removed from it to be able to talk to, you know, what we would have liked to see, what we would have liked to do. And then also allowing myself and others to have direct communication with the student athletes to talk about the initiatives, talk about the things that are important to them and how we as a conference can really improve their, their livelihoods and their experiences. Incredible. Great stuff. Yeah. Incredible. Um, I wanted to touch on one other thing. You talked about your dad, but there's a little NFL bloodline here. Mm-hmm. I don't know, probably, I mean, maybe, maybe you could touch on it because there's certainly um, on both sides of the ball, I think, too, there's some NFL bloodlines for you. Yeah, so my, my dad played linebacker with the Giants and the Patriots, and while he was with the Patriots, he became best friends with a man by the name of Andre Tippett. And Andre Tippett is now is my godfather. Oh, wow. I call him Uncle Andre. Yeah. Um, nice. And, you know, obviously... We, I was laughing because I was with him in Vegas when he got inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame. And we, I was looking at pictures when I was 13 years old. He got inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So we're looking at you know, me at 13 next to him and me at 26 standing next <laughs> wow. to him. Uh, and in the process, I mean, he's, he's, won, he's in the Patriots Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This past year, he went into the Iowa Hall of Fame. College Football Hall of Fame, the New Jersey High School Hall of Fame. I mean, this dude has more Hall of Fames than most people got hands and toes, (laughs) fingers and toes. And he's and he's he's yep. And so him and my dad actually bonded about that because they are both multi-degree black belts, and uh, so they're very similar. They're they're just both two you know amazing people. But obviously, you know, Uncle Andre, my dad was the best man at him and Auntie Rhonda's wedding. Um, So just two amazing people. Obviously, I'm I'm blessed to have them as my aunt and uncle, but. You know, Uncle Andre is, is a special guy that most people that know the game of football oh, yeah. know. I think when we surprised you, it, uh, you know, I was very impressed with your dad. Yeah. Because I, I remember and he, was, he was in the FBI mm-hmm. at the time. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, probably knows more <laughs> yeah. about all of us than we really <laughs> right? care, to, care to share. He's but, like, uh, you're going on what show? <laughs> <laughs> One other question before we let you go. Um, at Leesburg, Florida, um, obviously – Football in the Sunshine State is mm-hmm. off the charts. I noticed in your in your bio the Villages Charter High School. Mm-hmm. Now, when I hear about the Villages, it's a retirement community. Where how'd they get a high school? So they have a high school. It's a charter high school, and um, initially, and I'm gonna try to say this without without getting emotional. Um, my my freshman year when I was going to high school, my my mom, like we talked about, was the importance of a- a- academics and. Um, the Villages was an A-rated school, but the school that I ended up going to, Leesburg, I went there my senior year. It was a D-rated school at the time. And so my mom, like I said, is always academics first. And so so what what she wanted to do was to send me and my little brother. My little brother is eight and a half years younger than me. He's a senior at IMG High School right now, and he's deciding uh, where he's going to college in the next week. So I'm excited for him and, yeah. and excited for that journey. But in order to go to the villages is a charter school. It's not a private school, but in order to go, you have to have a parent that works in that county. And so my mom, so I'm trying to say, I'm trying, I'm trying not to get emotional, but my, okay. my mom, right. my mom sacrificed mm-hmm. for us. She has two masters in the health field and she got a job as a hostess at a restaurant. So we could go, so go to, to a school Amazing. and, uh, you know, for the rest of my life, you know, I'm forever, grateful for those type of sacrifices because that created opportunities. She, she swallowed her pride. Yeah, we sure. joke all the time that she used to put these 
<laughs> we call them biscuits. These little shoes on the non-slick shoes that you yeah. wear at a restaurant. And she went in to just put those master's degrees yeah, in her to, back pocket. Yeah, to, do to this just for you guys. to give yeah. her kids a mm -hmm. better life. And uh, well, now we know why she got to select your college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she could do anything at that point. She she got it. Um, but you know, those type of sacrifices have made me the person that I am. And I'm forever grateful and I will always have forever love for my mom for the sacrifices that she made for me and my little brother to be able to go to that school. And yes, it is in a retirement community. <laughs> so it was very interesting. But speaking transparently, I've never really shared this other than, you know, to people I know. I went to that school and I dealt with a lot of, uh, we, I kind of talked about sure. politics early on, mm -hmm. but let, we'll just call it like it, it was a lot of racial issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, growing up as a biracial kid in the South, there it comes with a lot of different things and there was a lot of issues from a racial perspective at that school perfect example i wasn't allowed to play quarterback because i was wow. i was black uh and Incredible. you know they kept you know and remind I, people I, what year this was this is this is 2008 this isn't the 70s this is 10 years ago this is, this this is 10, years. 10 years ago and so you know those type of politics i mean i truly believe you know and i'm, I'm glad i'm sitting with you because i'm sitting with people that you know, gave me the award that basically said you're the best linebacker in the country. But if you ask my father, anybody that knows how I played quarterback, I was always a better quarterback than I was a linebacker. Wow. wow and awesome. I was just never given the opportunity because of what I looked like. Yeah. And so a culmination of m multiple other things, you know, from the coaches saying, you know, I had a coach tell me and we can just I'll talk like it is uh, this is I, that's all the only way I know how to operate is by, that's, by truth I had a coach tell me my sophomore year to my dad and I didn't tell me tell my dad that we don't think nor could be a good enough linebacker for us at this school and I said all these different things but don't tell don't tell your son because we don't want him to feel like he doesn't we don't believe He's in not. him anymore my dad said of course I'm going to tell him because it sounds like you don't believe in him. And so that was like motivation and fuel to the fire every yeah. single day of like, I got to not only am I proving myself right, I'm doing something, you know, bigger than myself. And at that time, they had never had a division one recruit in the entire school's history, let alone what I became was an All-American and a Buckets mm -hmm. Award winner. And so you tell me that I, I'm not, not we don't think I'm good enough to be a linebacker on this team, right. but yet I'm good enough to win the award. You know, that's the best and, linebacker in the country. And get many accolades. Exactly. Yeah. And so those were one of the things that I, it was a culmination of other things that I ended up dealing with. And then going into my senior year of high school, I ended up transferring to Leesburg and had an amazing experience there with a lot of different people from all different walks of life. Went to a very diverse school, diverse mm -hmm. team. Um, coach Randy Trivers, who's actually now the head coach of uh, Gonzaga High School in D.C. We were just talking about sure. the USC yep. spring game, mm -hmm. coached uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, and so just, you know, ended up having a wonderful senior year, culminated in, in a strong fashion, played in a very, a lot of people, if you ever look, look back at some of the articles, they thought I made that change to play up in a more competitive division, but that's not, it was never about competition. It was always about the way they treated me and my yeah. family through mm -hmm. the process. And so once again, you know, the, these type of sacrifices, my my mom, you know, <laughs> making that move allowed my mom to not have to, you know, do the sacrifice she made. She, she did that temporarily and then she ended up running um, her own like health nu nutrition management company in the villages. And so she she sacrificed for, our, you know, a little bit of our first year to then she could set herself up for doing Perfect. something that she that was more awesome. for Allie. That's but, you know, that's kind of how well, it all comes I, full circle. I, I'll, I'll tell you, if they're going to listen to this podcast, uh, they should be congratulated because they raised quite a son. Um, they should be proud. What you've accomplished on the field is one thing, but what you're doing off, you can tell by, you know, your history and what you went through 
why what you're doing currently at the Big Ten is so impactful. Mm-hmm. You come from experience. You weren't catered to Mm-mm. by any means. Not at all. So you know what a lot of these student athletes are going through. You know what the fight is all about. Couldn't be happier for Kevin Warren and the Big Ten to have you working for them. So we want to thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you for coming in. Um, you know, like we said in the beginning, this this podcast is about previous winners, about the NFL. It's about entertainment. It's about a bunch of things. But we constantly hear about the transition guys mm-hmm. have made, and um, this is an incredible story. So we thank you for sharing everything. Now, thank with you, us. Pete. Thank you, thank Dola. You, Dola. Thank you, Bucko. Oh, obviously, thank you, you to your dad. You know, Mr. Buckus, uh, if you're listening, I, I'm forever grateful for your selection in me. Uh, I promise you, I will continue to uplift that that Buckus name because I'm forever attached to it. Uh, but I'm just very grateful for the yeah. impact you guys have had we'll on my see life. See in January. Yeah. Got to get more and more guys to come. Absolutely. That's right. Thanks, Nor. Thank you. A big thank you to our guest today, Nor Davis. Thank you to my co-hosts as usual, Matt Amendola and Matt Buckus. Follow us on our social channels listed in the show description and thebuckusaward.com for updates on this podcast. If you're interested in purchasing number 51 merchandise, please go to dickbuckus.com for that. And be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Pete Hassan, and we'll catch you on the next episode. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients have come to rely on them for a full line of website services from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They work with clients in nearly every industry. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Buckus Award and Buckus Foundation websites, and we proudly recommend the team at AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. That's AmericanEagle.com, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1.